0: Facebook videos like this one, or any post on the internet for that matter, can be used against you. If you're a foreigner applying for a visa, residency, or even to become a naturalized citizen, you could land on the government's radar. If you start with this wide
1: sweeping search, does that government then have the right to make a search of my email and me generally rise to the top of a list of priorities? That is alarming.
0: What's the price of freedom of expression in the land of the free? A U.S. visa? citizenship maybe? Do you consider your online identity an accurate representation of your true values? And along the line, somewhere, the Constitution has to fit in this equation. To help work out this math, we welcome back Erickson Immigration Group attorney Ryan M. Knight. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders.
1: You know, we really need to have a session, I think, understanding, you know, how far the government can go and abuse its powers before we willy nilly, you know, embrace and let this new administration, whether Democrat, Republican or whatever, have these expansive powers with no, no real controls.
0: Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today we have Ryan Knight, who is an attorney for Erickson Immigration Group. Uh, it's not your first time. This is like the No. Second or third. Third time. Yeah. Keep yeah. getting invited back. Yes. Despite
2: I... my best efforts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's because we love to have you. It's because we love to have you. So um, so today we're talking about, more seriously, social media surveillance. And what's the purpose of this expansion of data collection from government agencies? Um, the U.S. State Department is now requiring nearly all visa applicants to submit their social media accounts from the past five years. This vetting is happening at the point of entry. Officials are searching through text, images and various social media posts from platforms such as Twitter, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, to determine whether a traveler could be considered a national threat. Uh, This is if they posted the content themselves or are associated with a person who posted questionable content. For our viewers, first, let's start with why government agencies are now collecting social media details from visa applicants and foreign travelers. Sure, this
2: comes from a national security standpoint. So, previously, we've always had national security concerns about the foreign nationals traveling to and from our country. And in light of the attack in San Bernardino, That really drew some attention to social media because the perpetrator in that particular case had actually posted some incendiary material on her social media page. And after that happened, there was an uh, increased focus on using social media as a way to uh, determine the intent of the person coming.
0: Right, right. And from that incident... And over the past couple of years, has social media been found to be effective in detecting national security threats?
2: Actually, that's a bit of a harder question to answer. Um, It could go either way. It's actually quite inconclusive, largely because the authorities, the federal authorities that pursue these types of crimes and, and individuals are not going to broadcast their investigation their findings, methods right. mm-hmm. of how they actually were able to either exclude or in some cases bring these people to to justice here in the United States. So it's hard to tell whether it's actually working to the extent that they they would lead us to believe they right. that they want us that they want it to work. Since nine eleven I've found there were 43 cases of terrorist plots that were foiled here in the United States by our government agencies, and I could only see that two of those, and they were recent ones in the during the Trump administration, only two did it actually state that these plots were foiled because of social media posts. So okay. at least 41 other ones where I, I simply don't know.
0: Okay. So sort of walk us through this. I'm a foreign traveler. I'm coming to the United States and they asked for my Twitter handle. Will I be responsible for every tweet that comes from one of my followers?
2: Not necessarily. Um, certainly, you're, you're always resp- everyone is always responsible for the things that they, they, say. they personally say and mm-hmm. post. As far as what sort of... Material on social media you're going to be responsible for, that has a lot to do with the actual algorithms and, and um, investigative methods that these immigration officers are using to search through your social media
0: page. So it's discretionary in it that is. sense. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to note here is that there's actually three different agencies that are using social media. So one is the Department of State, the, the consulates. So the consular arm of the Department of State is requesting the social media handles of all your accounts for the past 5 years. CBP on the other hand can request for you not only to give your social media handles but also your password. As oh, you wow. come in through okay. the border, you can be you can be asked to turn over your phone and asked to give your password. So instead of just looking at public information that you've posted in the sphere they in the in the social media sphere you can actually go into their their private account and look at that
0: that's not every agency cuz i know
2: uh, no that's so. only cbp okay. because they're at the border so okay. when you're in the border the border zone they're able to do that okay. the third agency that actually uses social media is uscis right. they have a, f- a fraud division within there and they have specifically trained a, a few officers to actually create fictitious social media accounts so that they can search for people and see what kind of posts that they, or tweets or who they're following. Fake social media accounts, the latest weapon in Homeland Security's arsenal. The department's updated guidelines have officially made cyber disguises, Fair game for its agents. Homeland Security claims these fake accounts could be used to clean up the process of legal immigration. Detecting fraud, finding weak spots in immigration's vetting system, and conducting background checks are all listed as areas that could be improved. When they apply for benefits, a green card or citizenship, they can track their their moral character in, in that way.
0: Right. So that sort of begs the question of the constitutionality of this surveillance and uh, data collection, right? So where do constitutional concerns apply?
2: Well, to start, I'll say this by and large is is constitutional. Okay. Just as a a general uh, matter.
0: Even collecting passwords. I understand if there's publicly available information, that makes sense. But more private information,
2: Right. right. So at, actually at the at the Department of State level, at the consular level, when they're asking for this information, uh, you're essentially a foreign national overseas. You have no you have no rights, not the U.S. rights, not rights that we've granted because right. uh, you're not physically present. You're not a U.S. citizen or, or have any other. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Ties. So mm-hmm. there's also the doctrine of consular non-reviewability, which pretty much says, and this is a big frustration for immigration lawyers, mm-hmm. that consulate officials can pretty much do whatever they want. So there's not going to be a lot of pushback on them getting social media Mm. uh, handles. There's simply no... It would be very difficult to bring a case to challenge the constitutionality Mm. of of consular officials doing that. When it comes to uh, USCIS, you're dealing with people who are now actually in the United States. They have rights. Those rights have attached and they're applying for immigration benefits. In those situations, the regulations actually state that if there is any uh, derogatory information Regarding your case, mm-hmm. which uh, to the point here would be any negative social media posts, right. USCIS actually has to make you aware of that information and give you an opportunity to rebut it. So right. it's constitutional to collect this information and you have a constitutional right to, um, to challenge the use of that in your actual case. The, the problem here is the is CVP. So that's where these real constitutional concerns of right to privacy, Fourth Amendment, unreasonable search and seizure. That's where these really come into play. You're talking about an agency who has uh, unfettered discretion almost in their sphere of of responsibility, which is at the border uh, and ports of entry. Right. And especially in ports of entry, I'm talking airports, when you clear customs and you're going through customs, a CBP officer can ask for you to turn over your phone and they can do a uh, general search of the phone and they can also request for your password so they mm-hmm. can access your social media accounts and all of that has already been determined to be constitutional uh Supreme Court came down in 1925 in a uh, case Carroll v US and that determined that you have a there is a limited application of the 4th amendment at the border which mm-hmm. gives CBP the ability uh, to do something like this. Also, there was a more recent case coming out of the Fourth Circuit where CBP can actually do a forensic search of your phone if they have any sort of reasonable suspicion to do that. Wow.
0: Okay. So, in the case recently in the last couple of weeks with the Harvest student Ismail Ajawi. When he got to Logan Airport in Boston on Friday night with his student visa, he was held and questioned by a customs and border protection officer who he says took his phone and
2: computer and searched them for hours. In a statement to the Harvard Crimson newspaper, he wrote that after five hours, the CBB officer called me into a room and she started screaming at me. She said she found people posting political points of view that oppose the U.S. on my friends list. I responded, I have no business with such posts, that I didn't like, share, or comment on them. I told her I shouldn't be
0: held responsible for what others post. I have no single post on my timeline discussing politics. Was this fair
2: use? In, in my opinion, and in, in that... That's all. This is, in my opinion, it's a fair use of the material. I'm pretty sure that the actual decision to exclude mm-hmm. was arbitrary. While they have uh, CBP has every right to go ahead and, and try to gain as much information as they can about whether they should admit you or not. In this particular case, what you have here is a a post that's not actually not actually made or liked or supported in any way by the individual asking for entry right. but unfortunately because of the way that the uh, CBP or Department of State or USCIS takes this social media information they're not always getting the full picture and because they have so much discretion and their final decision uh, if they simply choose if they see something they don't like just like that can can uh, result in exclusion or in the case of a consulate, a visa denial,
0: right? And that sort of walks us to the consequences. How could data collection uh, go right, and how could it go wrong? In the sense of one vetting the people who come into the country, but then also being fair and understanding people's rights who are coming into the country. Sure,
2: I'll do the um, the cons first, and then and then. There's any pros right, yeah. <laughs> if um, we can find any. <laughs> so the the biggest con and in, in my opinion is the lack of transparency as to how they're actually collecting the information. You're talking about social media posts, and there are people who post multiple things a day. Right. if they're on for five years, you're talking about thousands and thousands of posts. How are right. you supposed to go through all of those? Well, Apparently, you contract with another data mining company, and they'll go through it for you mm-hmm. using these algorithms that I personally don't understand how None they actually do. work. <laughs> but, uh, but they work. <laughs> yes, they're, they're supposed to work. And we don't know what these algorithms are, how the government is actually spying on our yeah. social media page. And the ACLU filed suit over that very issue. So not on the constitutionality of mm-hmm. requesting this information, but how you're actually using this information, what are you trying to glean from it? There's no transparency there. So that to right. me is a big point of concern because I do appreciate transparency. You know, no matter what yeah. the government's doing, I would like just to know about
0: it. Be above board. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, the other main concern here is the potential chilling of free speech.
1: Privacy and civil rights advocates like Efren Olivares believe this infringes upon free speech. If you have political opinions that are contrary to the current government, can you post them without worrying whether uh, that, that will jeopardize your eligibility or whether they approve you for a certain immigration benefit or even admission into the country?
2: So free speech is a right that everyone present in the U.S. enjoys. And um, if there's a sense that the government is monitoring what you say, you may be disinclined to say it. Mm-hmm. And that's not what free speech is about. Free speech is about um, actually voicing your opinions and expressing yourself without the fear of government reprisals. One note about that, we're all responsible for anything that we say, post, right. Um, and just yep. because it doesn't have government consequences, that doesn't mean it doesn't have social and employment-based consequences. So right. uh, that's just a, a side <laughs> note on free speech. With the Department of State, the biggest con is the arbitrary denials. Once they deny you, there's really no way to overcome it. You have to reapply. Um, mm-hmm. If it, they also are not transparent at all, the Department of State, so that can be a, a big sticking point. We may ha- see denials increase from certain countries, <laughs> particularly those that may have been subject to the travel ban, something like that. Right. Uh, as far as CBP, you have the you have the uh, instance of the the Harvard student, and that's again another um, potentially arbitrary denial, and there's very little that you can do to control that now you're actually for those people that are actually here in the United States so they do have some recourse to uh, you know due process and to get their case heard but not everyone i'm under the impression that that harvard student was excluded and went home and then had to come back and well I had to restart and come back again for uscis the con that i can think of is um, are they monitoring your social media for a one time application Mm-hmm. Or are they, are they monitoring your social media page mm-hmm. just to monitor it, just to collect continuous <clears throat> information about who you are and who are they sharing that information with, the right.
0: FBI? Right. I mean, so actually about a month ago, it was revealed that a Virginia-based intelligence firm used Facebook data to compile details about more than 600 protests against family separation. Right. So they use this data and people who were joining a Facebook group of this protest, a family separation, that data was collected and sent over as a spreadsheet to the Department of Homeland Security that was disseminated internally.
1: Before we give a hunting license to our existing government to go and, and exercise this wide sweep Uh, You know, we really ought to understand what tools are being used. I don't think it's as simple as the postings and the actual words that are up there. I believe that our government and companies like Facebook and Twitter and others and advertisers can use the metadata, uh, the hidden data. You know, you'd hate to see this system being used in a corrupt way.
0: How you use your data, how you use the material that you post and share with friends, it can all be used for other purposes. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. Right.
2: Um, I'm not going to say that there, there are absolutely no positive consequences to this policy. Uh, mm. From my abstract thinking, what mm. I what I concluded is that uh, not all social media postings are going to be bad or work against your case. For example, if you're a refugee or you're, you're claiming asylum, mm. and you have social media posts um, from a few years back where you're protesting the government or or you know, your whatever the government was back home. Right. Um, if you're being politically active on social media, that's going to support your asylum case in a in a big way. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're living in a country where they do monitor the internet and they monitor social media and you're right. still brazen enough to put that stuff out there, <laughs> uh, that could be a big win for you in an asylum case. Mm-hmm. Um also the purpose of this is national security and it is used to exclude People that, that we may feel as, as a society are undesirable. We have several categories of inadmissibility mm-hmm. and uh, people fall into them all the time. And it's not as if social media isn't totally inept or inadequate for rooting out bad actors. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Facebook page that was operated by all those CBP Officers when they were uh, right. making
0: the fake accounts, yes, and
2: inappropriate an <laughs> statements. So, how yeah. was that rooted out? Well, they found it on social media, and, mm-hmm. and um, a few of these uh, terrorist plots that have been foiled here in the United States have been foiled through social media, and that especially applies to those that uh, are um, stemming from white nationalist sentiment. So, it's sure. not as if this has absolutely no value. It didn't have any value you know, we wouldn't be discussing it. Yeah. One uh, final note to conclude. I'm just a little bit concerned that Congress hasn't played any role. The executive agencies are the ones that are putting out these these memos and these policies about using social media. Mm. I feel like the American people should have a say in how social media posts are going to be monitored by the federal government. Uh, Mm. The fact that they haven't uh, done anything on this issue or, or really...
0: Spoken up about it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Shown any interest is a bit concerning for me. I don't want, you know, the executive branch to set all the policies that control who gets to see my social media.
0: For more content and immigration updates, please follow us at EIGLaw.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at podcast to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time.